Last week, we discussed the importance of protecting ourselves, right? We're in a spiritual battle all day, every day. As long as you're alive on this earth, you've got an enemy and he's coming after you. Now, how successful he is is entirely up to you. Jesus beat him, but you have to use the defeat that Jesus gained for you, the victory that he delivered to you, or you're going to get pushed around all your life. So we talked about protecting ourselves from what's out there, and we do that by establishing healthy boundaries. We do that by pre-deciding, this can come into my life, but this can't. You are responsible. You have authority on what comes in and out of your life when you've established a healthy boundary, right? I have a passage that I want to use to just to just really um, capture the heart, God's heart for you and for me on why we should protect ourselves. It comes from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Nehemiah, he lives over here. The church, God's people, they live over here. And Nehemiah inquires, how's the church doing? How are my people doing? How are God's people doing? One day, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. It's like if I moved to Alaska and now I'm up there and I'm doing ministry up there and I have some of you come up to Alaska to visit me and I say, how are things going at Wood's Edge? How are the students? How's the ministry? That's what's happening here. How are things going in Jerusalem, Nehemiah asks. They said to me, things are not going well. There is great trouble and disgrace for God's people. For the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Why are things not going well for God's people? Because the wall that protects them, the wall that protects what God has given them has been torn down, which means the enemy just comes and goes as he pleases. They have no security. Why are things not going well for the people? Because the gates have been burned to the ground. There is nothing stopping their enemies from just coming in and not just raping and pillaging and stealing, but like living in the city, living where they have no business being. That's God's city. That's God's people's home. And it's supposed to be a place of holiness and safety and security. But without a wall, without gates, they have no protection. Now, what's Nehemiah's response to this? What's God's response when we don't protect what he's given us? When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed for days. Why did Nehemiah weep? Because those that he loved, his family, God's your dad, you guys. You're his family. They had failed to protect themselves. They had failed to say yes to this and no to that. It was just yes to everything. And they were being overrun. And they were being hurt as a result. They were being pushed around as a result. They were being killed as a result. And that makes God weep when he has given us so many good things and we just let people take them because we don't protect ourselves. I challenged you last week. The Lord challenged us. How are you doing in setting healthy boundaries? How are you doing in protecting your time with the Lord? How are you doing at making sure you don't get robbed in the middle of the night by the enemy who's come to steal every good thing God will ever give you? How are you doing? If you haven't done anything in response to that message, like God is weeping, not at you like, you're horrible, but like for you. He's weeping for you. 
Because not only have you been given good things that the enemy wants to steal, you have good things on the way that if you don't set those boundaries, they'll be snatched away from you before you can even receive them. You guys, that's how God feels when we fail to protect what he gives, when we fail to protect ourselves. So we're in the middle of this series called the Vineyard Initiative. These are seven weeks of teaching, seven action steps that God says, if you want to not just be a disciple, but an effective disciple, right, a healthy child of God, these are seven things you need to do. And the first one, week one, was you just need to receive. Receive what God gives you. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an all-day everything, everyday thing. He gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he'll keep giving till the day you die. He's a giver, and we need to be receivers. That's week one. That's step one. The next thing you do is, when you receive, protect it. You don't protect your salvation. I mean, there's people in the Bible, they say they go to the gates of heaven, they're like, we cast out demons, we fed the poor. And God's like, I never knew you. You might have done things, but you didn't receive salvation. You didn't receive your identity in Christ. We gotta be receivers, we gotta protect what we receive, and then today, right? When you're talking about protecting, it's like there's stuff out there that wants to get in. Well, today we're talking about cleaning house, right? We've established we need boundaries. We've established some things to do to protect ourselves. But what if there's already something inside you? What if there's something that's already messing with you? First, you receive. Then you protect from outside influences. And then you look inward and you're like, what needs to leave? What do I need to get rid of? What did I already allow in that it's time to kick out? This whole series comes to us from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Just two sentences. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, he cleared its stones, and then he planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks, and then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. My beloved, that's God, had a vineyard, which is you, that's us, that's our life. It's a rich and fertile hill. God's given us everything we need to be happy, to be blessed, to be powerful in the Lord. First thing he did was he plowed the land. He cut a moat around the land. That's step one, protect yourself. Step two, then he cleared the stones. Think of a vineyard. Think of a plot of land. You want to plant something healthy that's going to grow, you got to go through and you got to get rid of the stones that are in the dirt because if there's stones in the dirt, you can't plant. You can't grow anything. What does it mean to clear the stones? Here's the definition. To clear something means this. To remove in order to make room. God has blessed you, but there are greater blessings on the way for everyone who's hearing my voice right now. If you want to receive them, you got to remove anything, everything in you that's not of the Lord, that's not his will for you, to make room for the blessings that are going to come. Because he doesn't bless you just to bless your outside life. He wants to bless you inside with confidence and character, integrity. Get rid of those things that are counteracting that. To clear means to make a path or a road by removing any obstruction. If I want to go to Jesus in prayer, if I want to hear from Jesus and the Lord, there should be a straight line between me and him where I can walk and not trip and not have to fuss with anything. But if there is just crud all over the place because I haven't done my job in removing the obstructions, then I'm going, I'm like having to crawl and I'm going to take my time and I can't get to him. You, were, you handled that very well, Kelsey. All right. Somebody's going to have to pick the, fix that chair. Do it, Kelsey, do it. Oh, you're such a good servant. I love you. All right. So, clear the road between you and Jesus. 
Is there anything standing in the way of when you go to the Lord, hear from the Lord, talk to the Lord? Get rid of it. If you have a problem and the first thing you think of is, got to call my friend, got to post on social media, got to hide, then you've got something obstructing you from your road to Jesus. The last one, which I love, is this. To clear means to make free of confusion, doubt, or uncertainty. If you remove from your heart your hurts, your false beliefs about who God is and who he created you to be, you will be free of confusion, free of doubt and uncertainty. Do you doubt the Lord? Do you ever doubt what he says to you is going to come true? Are you ever confused about what you hear in this room or when you read scripture? Remove those stones in your heart that you're tripping over and the doubt and the confusion and the uncertainty will go away. It's a fact. Remove the stones. Clear the stones. What I like about this word clear, that doesn't mean I just get rid of that one and that one. You clear them out. You get rid of all of them, right? All of them. Okay, so last week we talked specifically about what are we protecting ourselves from? Demonic influence. What are we clearing out of our hearts? It's our sin behavior. It's our false beliefs that give way to demonic influence. Our teaching passage today is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Ta-da! There it is. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous, if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritually, uh, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I think it's Gatorade, I'm not sure, but what's the ad? Is it in you? What's that? Nothing. All right. Is it in you? Is jealousy in you? Are you jealous of anyone? Are you envious of anyone? I am. I wrestle with that. Pride, selfishness, is it in you? Are you proud? Are you selfish? Do you sometimes, do you all the time, have a me-first attitude? Is it in you? If it is, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Underneath your seats, all of you guys have a stone and a sharpie. Grab them. As we progress through this sermon, it has already been prayed, I will pray it again in a second, and I'm going to pray again at the end. This, is, this request is saturated in prayer. Is it in you? The stone in your hand, that's your heart for the next 30 minutes. What's in your heart that you would love to see God remove today? It's happening today. I would ask big. I would ask broad. What's in you that you want to see God remove, that you want to see him clear all you need to do is acknowledge it. Write it on your stone. It's already in there. Acknowledge it. Write it down. Do you wrestle with jealousy? Do you wrestle with selfishness? Do you wrestle with pride? There's your starters right there. 
as I talk, if you feel led, if you remember a hurt, a lie, a pain, um, a sinful behavior, just cover that rock with your junk. And it starts right there. Don't cover it up. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. You guys, we're talking about the vineyard. We're talking about farming. We're talking about agriculture. And it makes me think, don't bury your junk in the back 40 of your heart. The back 40 is an expression farmers use. I mean, I've heard it in movies anyway. Where you just, that's that back 40 acres that you just don't mess with. It's where you keep your trash. It's, it's where you don't really tend the back 40. Don't let your junk just pile up in the back 40. Don't cover it up. Don't hide it. God is saying to you this morning, warts and all, be yourself. Just be yourself. I mean, he says, come broken. I did not come to heal the healthy, but the sick, right? You're broken. I'm broken. You're sick in the head. I'm sick in the head. Be yourself. Acknowledge it. I mean, psychologically, it's in every self-help book there is. Your first step to healing is admitting you have a problem. That's biblical. Those guys ripped God off when they put that in their book without acknowledging him. The first step is admitting you have a problem, and everyone in this room, especially this guy, we've got problems. I got hurt. I got pain. It dictates how I act. Don't cover up the truth. The longer we pretend that we're not stuck, the longer we stay stuck. Admit that you've got an issue. Why does it say no boasting and no lying? Why does it say that? It's very interesting. No boasting. Why not? Because when you boast about something, you make it bigger. You make it worse, right? I used to tell white lies all the time as a kid. I loved to exaggerate. I caught a fish this big. No, I didn't even catch a fish, right? I saw a snake. It was huge, right? It's a stick, right? I just, I love to exaggerate. But sometimes what happens when you exaggerate? People are like, what, really? Show me. Take me there. And I'm like, you're in trouble because it was a fabrication, you guys, don't boast. You take this little thing and then you make it bigger. You boast about not having a problem or you boast all about it. You guys, don't be boastful people because when you boast about something, you end up um, turning it into an idol, right? We can even idolize our hurts. Don't boast. But then the second thing, don't lie. Why should we not lie about having a problem? Well, there's a couple reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but we're going to look at two. If you lie and say, I'm fine, I'm not hurt, then no one can help you. No one will ask you if you need help. And God's not going to force his help on you. He wants you to invite him in. So if you lie, you are pretending that everything's fine when you know it's not. You have to admit that you have an issue. So you have to admit it. Don't lie about it. When you lie, nobody knows you need any help. There are some of you in this room that have something you got something right now. You're thinking of it right now. And nobody knows but you. Admit it. Own it. Ask for help. But the second reason why we shouldn't lie about what we struggle with is this. What happens if you lie today and you lie tomorrow and you lie the next day? You lie? Do you know what happens? Spiritually and psychologically, you start to believe the lie. Oh, I don't have a problem with stealing. I never steal. I, I don't steal anything right? I didn't just put that microphone in my pocket. I'm not a thief. You guys, if you lie, 
long enough, you will believe the lie. And I bet there's plenty of you in here that know that's true from experience. You guys, um, what do you wrestle with? What's your thing? Just know that if you have that thing, that it's inviting some other things in. Not admitting your problem is earthly. It's words. It's in there somewhere. Unspiritual, and it's demonic. That's the kind of stuff we invite in. Demonic. That's the opposite of who God made you to be. You're spiritual creatures in a physical body, and the Holy Spirit is supposed to inhabit you when we lie, when we're jealous, when we steal, we're inviting in demonic things, the opposite of God and his desire for you. I have points with all these things. I wrestle with jealousy, selfishness, and pride. I'll just give you a couple examples of the jealousy I've dealt with in my life. When I was um, freshman, sophomore, and junior at McCullough, now the Woodlands High, I played on the soccer team. I don't know how you guys are these days, but we were pretty good back then, went to state two of those years. Um, I was center forward, I was very fast, and I was pretty good. But my very good friend, Kerry Hendricks, was just a little better than me. And that's all he needed to be, just a little better. Who started in those games? Kerry started. Kerry started every single game. Two years on the team, he started all the games. And Kerry had legs. Kerry could run. Kerry never got tired. So he didn't just start, he finished. And I'm on the bench, and I'm like, God, I would love to get in the game. And how do you think that made me feel about Carrie, my friend, since we were this high? So jealous of Carrie. My jealousy of Carrie turned into hatred of Carrie. I didn't want to talk to Carrie. I didn't want to look at Carrie. I didn't want to hear anything about Carrie. But there he was right there on my team, starting in my position. And I was so jealous of Carrie. We go to the Strake Jesuit tournament, we make it to the finals. At the end of the game before the finals, Carrie got hurt. And I was like, yes! Ha <laughs> ha, Carrie. Carrie's hurt. Carrie's hurt bad. And all I did was I was happy about it. I celebrated it in my heart. What a good friend. Was that fully me in that moment, celebrating Carrie's injury? No. That was an earthly thing. That was an unspiritual thing. That was a demonic thing that I had been inviting into my life for the last two years Wishing harm on Carrie so Justin could get some playtime. I hated Carrie. Even when he was hurt, when I should have been the first one to help him, my friend. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. My jealousy began at an early age. Super jealous of my sister. Autumn was born three years after me. I still remember being at the hospital. They gave me cupcakes in the waiting room. And then they bring out this creature. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? What's she doing here? This is my party. And as we grow up, and as you know, if you're an older brother or sister, that baby gets a lot of attention. That's the attention I used to get, jealousy. Well, guess what? That baby that grew up into a little girl, she did a lot of things really well. She did a lot of things better than me. Autumn never had to study, just aced exams. Autumn got accepted to the Science Academy. I could barely spell Science Academy. There's too many I's and E's and C's. Um, Autumn, her freshman year, lettered in basketball, volleyball, and track. I couldn't even play soccer because of Carrie, right? In autumn, varsity, all three, first year. Parents, there's a whole other issue we're getting into, went to every game, three sports. They came and watched me play soccer once. My dad's like, you sure sit on the bench a lot. Thanks, dad. 
Thanks. So jealous of my sister, and it led to hate. You guys, multiple times, not put beat up my sister. Beat her up. Great brother, right? Older brother, supposed to protect, supposed to love, supposed to shelter. I hit her. Um, I went out of my way to try and get her in trouble. One day we're playing hide and seek on the roof of my house. That's what we did. Convinced her to jump off the roof. I'm awesome. I'm killing it as a brother. She was fine. It's okay. Jealous of my sister, it made me long for her to be hurt. Made me, led me to hurt her. Was that only me? No. I was inviting in something demonic. You guys have seen this illustration before, I think, but the Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. Well, if I decide I'm going to be jealous of my sister, I'm going to long for her to be hurt, what I'm doing, hey, what's up, babe? Get out of here, I'm speaking. My wife on the other side of the door. You should be in the service. So, you give the enemy a foothold. <laughs> and now the door can't close because you have predecided not something good, but something evil. I'm going to be jealous. You can't close the door. You just remove the wall. Now anything can come in and out. The longer it stays open, the wider it gets. And it's like, come on in, Satan and all your buddies. Please have permission to mess with me all day long. When we give in to sinful behavior, what we're really doing is we're giving the devil a foothold. We're giving his buddies a foothold. And we're saying, come on in to my heart and make yourself at home. When we refuse to deal or admit that we have an issue, a problem that um, we know is making us feel guilty, shameful, etc., it leads to evil of every kind. When the enemy storms the gates and finds no gate, when he storms your heart and finds no wall, he's like, hey guys, come on, we can live here. And that's just jealousy, selfishness, and pride. What about other things? What kind of nasty stuff are you inviting in with your substance abuse? You think, people all, all over the place talking about how substance abuse is like a physical addiction. You guys, there's a spiritual element behind every substance abuse. There's a 10-year alcoholic talking to you. There's spiritual stuff behind your addiction. Don't fool yourself. What, what about just laziness, right? Are there spirits of laziness? Yes. Have you ever like, I can't even get off the couch. I can't even stop watching Netflix. I can't even... Get away from this video game, even though my eyes are so dry, they're just cracking out of my face. Spirits of laziness. Do you think, do you really think that you're so weak in your flesh that you just can't turn off the computer and say no to porn? There is a spiritual element behind that that wants to make you look at women or men or both with a perverted view. That's what pornography does. It perverts your heart, and there's a spiritual element behind it. You're not weak, not as weak as you think you are. You have a spiritual enemy that's just like, look at it, look at it, look at it. Think about it when you look at other people. What about greed? What about unforgiveness? Huge, huge one. Unforgiveness, huge thing. Spirits of unforgiveness just walking around being like, never forgive, never forgive. Yeah, I know Jesus forgave you everything, but never forgive. What about gossip? What about suicidal thoughts? I've, I've had suicidal thoughts. I have had extreme suicidal thoughts at your age, considered ways to take my life. Do you think it was just me in the car by myself having those thoughts? Or do you think there were some hulking, icky demons being like, do it, just pull the wheel, just go into the trees? It wasn't me. 
That's not who God made me to be. Demonic influence. What about anger? When you can't even control yourself. I had a friend that I used to wait tables with. When he got so angry, he, he would go blind. He would literally see only white and just hit and punch and hurt. The spiritual thing going on in his life behind that anger. Our bad behavior invites dark and twisty things into our hearts to mess with us. It's like signing a permission slip by knowing, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it. It's like you just signed a permission slip, gave it to the enemy, and said, please feel free, come back, mess with me anytime. You've got to protect yourself from what's on the outside, but some of us need to deal with what's on the inside. It is a healthy, spiritual thing once in a while to just look in and be like, what have I allowed in here that needs to come out? Let me give you a kind of a progression of what this can look like, right? Who has ever told a white lie exaggerated or fibbed in this room, right? Some of you not raising your hand and you're lying like right now. You guys, all of us, all of us, and I, I'm an expert at it, um, sadly. Here's how it works. You tell that little fib and it's like you're literally, you're inviting a spirit of, of fibbing, of white lies to mess with you. Because once you tell that little fib, it's a little harder to say no next time. That spirit of fibbing is like, yo, spirit of lying, you know, big brother to me. Come over here. I got this one on the hook. And then we start lying. There's a spiritual element to that. Well, what happens after we become liars? Well, I mean, lying is really just doing something wrong with your mouth. Well, let's do something wrong with our body. Let's steal too. I mean, I'm a liar. Let's become a thief. Well, what happens after you become a thief and that spirit of thievery is on you? Well, then you've got a spirit of paranoia that's following you around being like, oh, they know, they know, they know. They know what you're doing. They know. They know. Be afraid. Don't talk to anyone. Go to your room. Shut the door. Be alone. The spirit of paranoia is all over you. What does that lead to? You get paranoid. You start acting on your paranoia. You are inviting in a spirit of fear, and you just walk around afraid all the time, afraid somebody's going to call you out afraid somebody's going to have a relationship with you or a friendship with you enough to finally understand, oh, you're messed up, dude. They're messed up too, believe me. That spirit of paranoia leads to a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear leads to a spirit of death, suicide, addiction, uh, of I give up. Life sucks. There's a progression to it. I would ask you all right now, what's that little thing? This would be a great time to engage that stone in your hand. What's that little thing you're making excuses for? What's that little thing you're like, this isn't a big deal. This, this isn't going to hurt me. That little thing is inviting in and has way bigger friends than you understand. I want to give you guys an illustration of what this looks like um, on the tail end. So I want you guys to use your imagination. We're going to play another Lord of the Rings clip. But the king in this clip, that's you. You're the king. The guy in white, that's Jesus. I want you guys to use your imaginations and watch this and visualize what we're talking about. This king, somewhere along the way ahead of time, he stopped doing the right thing. He started to do the wrong thing. Look how far it's taken him. Courtesy of your hall is somewhat lessened of late, Theoden King. 
he's not welcome. Why should I welcome you, Gandalf Stormcrow? A just question, my liege. Late is the hour in which this conjurer chooses to appear. Last spell I named Ill news is an ill guest. Be silent. Give your full tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed so far in death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. Stop. I told you to take the wizard. Stop. that crusty old man. That guy's messed up. That guy needs some moisturizer. You guys, that's how lost we can get when we don't address the ick that's like advancing in our lives. When we welcome things in by giving them permission, by acting in ways we know aren't right. And that little thing can become a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And the next thing you know, you have invited something into your throne room And it is whispering at you, shouting at you, all day, every day, and your actions aren't even your own. This guy's totally unrecognizable as the man that he should be. He has no clarity. He has no recognition. Um, He just looks worn out and discouraged and just disgusted. I mean, look, I don't want to be that guy's friend. He's freaking me out. Why is he not himself? Because he let a little evil in. Where? Where's your little evil? Where's your little thing? Um, it will lead to a lot. And I love what Gandalf said, right? Too long have you sat in the shadows. You guys, that is what God is saying to you right now today. Too long have you sat in the shadow of your sin and thought, this is my life. This is the best it's going to be. I, I've accepted that this is something I'll just always struggle with. It's a lie from hell. What does Gandalf say right before this moment? He says, hearken to me, right? I had to like slow it down and listen to it three times. But he said, hearken to me. The word hearken means specifically to give heed or attention to what is being said. It means to listen. God is saying to you this morning, listen to me. You're a slave. Your enemy is winning. Stop letting him. Listen to what I have to say. You're in danger You have a spiritual enemy. He's ruling and reigning in your heart, and that's where I'm supposed to live. That's where I'm supposed to bless you, but your heart is cursing you. I don't say these things to scare you guys, to, oh, looking for demon under, you know, every rock. But the reality is they're everywhere. I'm saying these things to warn us that there are spiritual forces at work that some of us have literally invited into our hearts that want to kill and steal and rob and destroy. And we need to be aware of it. But what I love is that we can be oppressed for years. We can get to that state. But rescue can come in an instant if we invite it in. Let's finish the clip. 
release you from the spell. <laughs> <laughs> you have no power here, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> their own strength better if they grasped your sword. this clip closes. I love how fast that was. He'd been slave for years, right? His whole kingdom was in disarray. And one encounter with the light changed everything like that. Some of you guys are in this room and you're like, man, Pastor Justin is milking that clip and this is just silly, demons and whatnot. And that's fine. But I want you, specifically you, to hear this. After your 10 years of alcoholism or whatever, what have you, I mean, that's how long I went, refusing to accept or hear the truth. Just know, your freedom can come just like that. Freedom's available today. I hope every single one of you take advantage of it. But those of you that walk out of here and you're just like, man, that was whatever. Your freedom can come as fast as he did. 
You remember last week, my freedom came when God revealed to me there is a spiritual element behind your addiction. The only thing I needed to do was say the name of Jesus. That's all you need to do today. That's all you need to do tomorrow. That's all you need to do for the rest of your life. In faith, cry out to Jesus. He died to set us free. The debt has been paid. Take advantage of it. Use it. Receive it. That demon declared, you have no power here. What a liar that demon was. You guys, Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and he's going to share it with us. You may feel that you have no power over your sin issue, your behavioral issue, whatever. You have all the power you need if you use the name of Jesus. If you acknowledge, I need help, help me clear the stones in my heart. I will draw you as poison is drawn from a wound. All of our sin issues start with a wound. All of our bad behavior starts with a lie that we believed, a hurt that we took upon ourselves, some poison that we drank through unforgiveness or judging others. You guys, when you get hurt and you don't deal with your pain, specifically in the spiritual life, when you get hurt and you don't say, Jesus, would you come speak to this hurt? Would you come and heal me? Would you come and help me? The hurt gets infected. And the infection, and this is true in the physical life and the spiritual, the infection will actually dictate how you act. It will control your responses. If somebody gets bit by a dog with an infected mouth with rabies, they'll lose their mind and they'll start acting like a crazy person. It's the same thing true for the spiritual life. If you have a wound, if someone has ever said anything to you that just hits you like a ton of bricks and you believe it, like when my father, when we were hunting, called me a coward in front of his friends when I wouldn't shoot, I believed for the next decade or two that that's who I was. I had been hurt. I didn't ask for help, and it got infected, and it caused me to be a real jerk to the people around me because I never wanted anyone to make me feel that way again. But the truth is I felt like that every day because I'd been hurt, and I didn't ask for help, and the wound got infected, and it dictated how I responded in a variety of situations where if I had said in that moment, if I knew him, Jesus, would you come and speak some identity to me right now? Because that hurt. That was powerful. I don't feel so good. I don't want to live like that. Did you make me to be a coward? No. Romans 8, buddy, I made you to be more than a conqueror. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my son. You're royalty. Jesus will speak those life-giving words to you as well. We need to let God draw out the poison, but we also need to address the original wound. Dwight, you guys take the stage. We're going to do a little more business with Jesus and our stones, and then we're going to respond. You guys pick up the rocks if you haven't, still, if you still don't have them in your hands, but we've got some wounds. We've got some stones in our heart that are weighing us down, and God wants to deal with them today. Just take a moment of silence and ask the Lord. Ask him a direct question. He can tell you way better than the examples I've sprinkled in this sermon. God, what do you want to set me free from today? What lie have I been believing about you or myself that you want to liberate me from today? 
What stone, what bad behavior, what sin am I allowing to live and flourish in my heart that you want to clear away? Ask God that in your own words. Whatever you see, whatever you think, whatever you hear, write it down. Let's get rid of it. Let's leave it here. Jesus, speak to everyone in this room. I pray for liberty in this room. I pray for freedom in this room. Help us acknowledge where we're hurt. May we, by faith, write it down. We don't want to be pushed around anymore. We want to close the door on our sin. Set us free. Give us words of understanding right now. just go ahead and keep doing it. I want to show you guys a picture before we wrap up. This is a field in Turkey at the place that we go when we go to Turkey. The left side of this field is green grass and the right, nothing. The left side of this field has healthy things, good things growing that are going to bear fruit. The right side, nothing. Nothing will grow on the right side because as you can see, it's littered with stones. You can't plant good, healthy, fruitful things in a field that's full of stones. It's just not going to happen. It's the laws of nature. It's the laws of the spirit realm too. God wants to bless you. He wants to plant good, healthy, growing things in you that will be a blessing to you for the rest of your life, that will bless other people in your life. And in order for that to happen, you got to remove the stones. This side of the field, the only difference is the rocks have been removed. The hurt has been taken out. God has better things in store for you this year than you can imagine. The people in Isaiah 5, those first four chapters of hardship and confusion and hurt and pain, it all came down to this. All right, you're great at receiving. We can all receive. You can protect. But if you don't get rid of the stuff in you, you will fail. You will lose. You will hurt yourself. And I will weep for you because I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm God. I gave you free will. It's your decision. Are you going to bear fruit? Are you going to be blessed? Are you going to be a blessing? Or are you just going to keep walking around loaded down with a burden of guilt and shame that I, my son died to set you free from that? Use that freedom. I'm going to pray over you guys. If you still feel led to write more on that rock, man, take advantage. When I'm done praying, we'll respond. We got tithe, we got communion, we're going to worship. The lyrics to this closing song are perfect for today, but these bends up here are for your stones. This is the altar. Bring your hurt, bring your pain. I got my pride, I got my anger, I got my selfishness, my jealousy, I got some unforgiveness on my stone. Bring it up here from a nice healthy height. Drop it. Get rid of it. Let it go. Leave it here. Understand something spiritual is going on up here. There's a veil up here. Drop it and walk away. 
leave it. Listen to what God has to say to you before you make this decision so you understand the gravity of it. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Students, sons, daughters, today I am giving you a choice between life and death. Today I'm giving you a choice between prosperity and disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live, you will multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you're drawn away to serve and worship your own selfish desires, I warn you now with weeping that you will be destroyed. This life will destroy you. Your enemy will destroy you. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. You guys, this decision, this is the key to your life. Jesus, bless our response. Do what only you can do in the spiritual realm and set us free by the symbolic act as as baptism is a symbolic act, as communion and tithing is a symbolic act. We need freedom. We want to unload on you. We want to ask for help. We want to drop these stones and walk away lighter, freer, clarity. Set us free. Help us stay free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys respond as you feel led.